when you are an entrepreneur, it's you making the decision not a boss telling you, you have to go to work right now. It's you. And so that's where the guilt came in. Cause it was like, I feel like I'm choosing my business over my kids. And that made me feel horrible. But then actually realizing like, well, who do I want to be for them? Like I am doing this so that we can live our best lives. And so I can show them what is possible and what they can achieve for themselves. And so that really helped me, but also just help, you know, creating that time for myself of knowing Fridays and the weekends are really from for kids' times. And also, instead of being stuck in the mindset of guilt and anxiety, getting into the mindset of gratitude, of being grateful that I'm in this such a privileged and fortunate position to be able to spend time with my kids in the morning, to have the flexibility. If one of them's ill, I can just hang out with them. Welcome to That's What She Said, the podcast for empowering women. My name is Lucienne Shakir and as a female empowerment specialist, I'm a woman who knows what it's like to lose their mind through a lacking of female sense of self and identity. My aim is to share stories from women around the world to help you see that you are not on your own. If you feel that you are lost in the sea of who am I, these collections of conversations are for you. Sit back and enjoy listening to this phenomenal collective of female voices in That's What She Said. Carrie Green has long been a woman that I have admired, especially in the entrepreneurial world. She simply has a phenomenally grounded way of looking at life, and I find that so inspiring. Her book, She Means Business, was one of my first business books, and I had the the pleasure of meeting her a few times, and when she agreed to be on the podcast, I was absolutely thrilled. She is such a light a shining light for so many entrepreneurial women who join her community, the Female Entrepreneurs Association, um, to learn from her and her community about how to build successful businesses. She is wonderful and I really enjoyed my conversation with her and I hope that you do too. So today I am joined by Carrie Green, one of my all-time favourite female entrepreneurs. I've been following her journey for years. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so happy to be here. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, I know. We've met met a couple of times. Once when you were speaking in London, along with Tom Bilyeu and some other great folks and um, at the Christmas party. Yeah. This party. It was a long time ago. <laughs> no, it feels like um, a really long time ago now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, you've had another baby since yeah, then, so crazy. I'll tell you about all of that. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Carrie Green is an inspiration to many female business owners because she has created a community of information, education, aspiration, support through her Female Entrepreneurs Association. And um, I have her book, She Means Business. Very. <laughs> very, very good book. Um, And also, Carrie, I wanted to share with you that in my hand, you won't see this because you're listening to the podcast. I have the dream book that I got with my planner last year. And um, I didn't start using this until January 21. And in there, I put that I wanted to have my own podcast and that I wanted Carrie Green. Oh, no way. I've got Carrie Green, Marie Forleo. I've got a few very special names on here. And I heard you at this talk in London 
and you said that you put in a message to Lewis House and you just took a punt, you just took a shot and it worked. And that's what I did with you. And I'm just so grateful that you said yes. So first of all, I would say thank you so much for for being here. Um, How are things, Carrie? How are things going? Good. A bit crazy at the moment. Um, But um, yeah, so this actual particular week, my husband, Kellen, is away. He's back in the States visiting his family. hasn't seen them for absolutely ages now. And so I'm juggling two kids, a business, a dog, that poor the poor dog has been neglected. <laughs> so my mum's on grandma grandma daycare. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting. But um, and yeah, work is just full on at the moment. We're in the middle of a program called Create and Sell, and so that's been really busy. Um, so yeah, as always, lots happening. <laughs> oh, and we're, yeah. and we're selling our house and buying a house. So oh, the amount of emails that I have to deal with, like the legal side, oh, it's such a pain. But yeah, and yet, yet you've taken an hour out to come and speak with us, which just shows <laughs> your your kindness and your generosity. I love it. And that's something that I was really really drawn to with you Carrie was your generosity of spirit and just how grounded you are as a person you've achieved some really amazing things I want to ask you do you know how brilliant what you've done is for so many people are you aware of that I I actually don't really think so because to me in my head it just still feels like a mess it just still feels like I'm just playing around with this thing and just seeing what's happening. And it's really hard to actually put into perspective the impact I think that it's had. And um, sometimes it can be actually quite emotional when I have like one-on-one conversations with people and they tell me like the impact and how it's changed their lives. And it really surprises me. And there was this one time when I was in Marks and Spencer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and someone thank god I was wearing makeup that day because I heard Carrie Carrie and I was like wow. oh who is it who is it and it was somebody from the members club and I was like oh my god this is the most surreal thing ever and um her daughter made her come over and like say something um and it was just such a surreal moment um so yeah that made me realize mm, this is quite this is like a lot of people do know about this like even like people locally now are like you know part of this so it's crazy but it's hard to comprehend and Mm. I'm still obviously where I'm at now I'm still working on how to how to grow how to get to the next stage so for me I'm all I always feel like I'm just learning and on this journey with everyone else and so yeah it's it's um yeah, like I said, it often feels like a mess in my head. <laughs> yeah, well, the honesty is what we need because so many of us feel like that, but we don't hear it. And there's that veneer of perfection, which is so damaging to so many people. Yeah. Uh, because people can look at you and go, she's got it all sorted. She's got the perfect business, the perfect home. The word perfect is problematic in and of its yeah. own right. Two beautiful children. She's beautiful, you know, and, and put you on a pedestal and find that unattainable. So... I think it's it's great that you share that it feels like a mess because it makes the rest of us feel human, Carrie. Yeah, honestly, um, it is. amazing. So, 
I heard of the FEA when I was having my hair done um, about four years ago. And my hairdresser knew that I was setting up a business. She's like, you need to get into the FEA. You need to get onto that. And four years ago, or was it maybe three and a bit years ago, um, I don't think it was as, it was big, but I don't think it was as big as it is now. How many members have you got in the membership at the moment? Do you know? I don't know what the exact figure is, but it's somewhere just over 5,000 at the moment. Um, Just amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing to build that. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Amazing. So over 5,000 people who are being positively impacted by the wealth of information that you've got. And I am one of those people. And I probably wouldn't be sat here today, Carrie, if it wasn't for being part of the FEA so I just want to say another massive thank you I think it's just going to be about me saying thank you (laughs) it's it's really nice to know though it's yeah it's nice to to see the impact it has yeah okay well you mentioned you're um, always striving for something more or something greater and um, you talk about um, you've got to believe that you can do something even when things seem impossible So I'm going to jump straight in and say, is there something that you're aiming for at the moment that feels unobtainable, that feels impossible, that you're having to work on for yourself? I mean, there's always, I mean, I have a million ideas at any given moment. Um, So there's definitely things, I mean, like if we're going to talk crazy stuff, like, like for a really, really long time, I've dreamed about like doing something more like mainstream because I feel like, in fact, I was reading back over my journal this past week and in there I'd written about like all the media. It was like International Women's Day. And I think this is naked picture of Kim Kardashian had like come out and it was all about that. And I was like, where's the positive inspiration for, for women? And so it you know, there's so much trash on TV and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I like watching trash, but, um, I also feel like there's a real lack of, um, uh, like positive, um, positive programs that will actually help us to, you know, achieve success, live and live an amazing life. And so it's been a dream for a very long time to do something like, like more mainstream, like TV or something like that. So that's hovered in my mind for a very long time. And I feel like, um, I don't think it's unobtainable. I just don't know how to do it, but I feel in myself and I feel like this with my goals. If I decided to bring that into focus and I made that my focus, I feel like I would have the belief that somehow I would figure it out. And if I didn't figure it out, that that journey would be, I would have gone on that journey for a reason. Like I was meant to go on that journey. And so unexpected opportunities or people would come into my life or things would happen that would maybe lead me to places that I could not have foreseen. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a person that believes that um, you've, you, nothing is unobtainable. You explore the option and like allow yourself to see like where it's going to take you and it might take you somewhere even more amazing than you had originally intended or you hadn't originally envisioned for yourself so yeah I definitely um I don't know there's a strong conviction but that's for example like something like creating a tv show and pulling it together if it was something like a a goal to like interview Oprah for example I might think that's a little bit less you know obtainable just from the perspective of like she then has to agree so um I think in my mind I might like envision you know 
being able to interview amazing people if that's what I wanted to do, for example, but um, put it more having like putting it out into the universe and trusting what will come back is what's meant to come back. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the first time I heard of the law of attraction was through some of your work and one of the masterclasses in the membership. I'd never heard of it before. And um, I was quite challenged by it, actually, because I'm, I'm, I'm highly academic in, in that sense. And actually, I've now got a few quantum biology friends who are saying to me, I need to open my mind to this because th- there is so much evidence suggesting that we just don't know enough about energy and how it works to be able to say that law of attraction, how the universe supports us, isn't something that's supporting us. So how strongly do you believe that the law of attraction, I know what your answer is going to be, but for people who are listening, has been instrumental in in supporting you on your journey? I feel like there's a great book called The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel-Shin, I think. Um, and um, I really liked reading that because I mean, I just like the name, the game of life. I think Mm -hmm. that life is a game and I want to play it well. And so I will use any tool. I will try things if I think that it could help me to, you know, in living my best life. So for me, the law of attraction and like the concept of like attracting something to yourself, one, from a practical perspective, it kind of makes sense. Like you, if you're putting out if your energy, if you're putting out a really positive, happy energy, chances are like the way you perceive things is it from a different lens than you would perceive things if you're stressed or anxious or in fear, like you perceive things completely differently. So um, just from that basic perspective, it makes sense. But I think that um, I want to live my best life. So I will just play with it and playing with it where I'm not taking it too seriously. So you know, I might put things out there and it might take ages to come back around or it might never come back around, but just giving myself the permission to just, you know, decide what I want, put it out there to the universe, um, you know, put it out there to myself, you know, to myself, have intention, um, and then let go of it. Mm. Um, so for me, I think it's just about playing the game. Because yeah. so many of us are conditioned to be realistic. So many people are playing the let's be realistic game. Where mm-hmm. the heck does that really get you? Like that just get keeps you playing small. You just live a small life. And I think, you know, when you go through school and all that kind of stuff, at least for me, like no one in school through that, through the, that system taught me to, you know, dream big and taught me how to live a life with intention mm. and what success and happiness meant for me. No one taught me how to explore that. Um, so, so yeah, so I like doing all these things and looking in anything that's going to help me open up and f- discover more of like what's possible for me. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, amazing. Uh, life is a game and I want to play it well. There's some real strength in that. It's um, That's incredible. So, I'm going to ask you about your children. You've you've now got two. Yeah. And um, I I have one. I can't imagine what it must be like to have two children at the age that your, <laughs> your children are. Um, how are you finding um, being the woman that you are, entrepreneurially speaking, and having a young family? What's what's changing for you? What are you needing to adapt to? 
So life is definitely a lot different now to what it was at the beginning. And I feel really fortunate that like I started FEA when I did, so that it was at the place it was at by the time I did have kids. I was always really intentional about wanting to have a business that could generate passive income and would give me the freedom to be earning money and be able to do what I wanted when I wanted to be able to like take time off to go and spend the morning with the kids and Fridays with the kids. And I feel really fortunate that that vision has become reality. Um, Because in the early days of FEA, I was working like all hours of the day because I was so passionate about it and I loved it. But now I don't have all the hours of the day available. Mm. Um, But so my husband, Kellen is a stay at home dad. So he looks after the kids. Um, And then I, but then I'll wake up in the morning and I'll spend the mornings with them. And sometimes I'll have my first call at 9.30. I tend not to have any calls before 9.30. Some mornings I will just like actually spend a few more hours with them and I won't get around to starting any kind of work until like say 10 or 11. Um, Casey goes to nursery three, no, two afternoons a week and one full day. Um, And so then it's just Molly the the rest of the time. So I then will work in the afternoons when he's at nursery. I tend to work more solidly in the afternoon. Um, I tend to take Fridays off so mm-hmm. that they're my like, that's my day for, to spend with the kids. And not that doesn't always, always happen, but I mm-hmm. actually find that it happens more often than not. And I've really become good at switching off over the weekend. So unless I am in a particularly busy phase with work, I do a really good job of actually switching off. And like, I might have conversations with Kellen about work stuff, but beyond that, I don't really sit down on my laptop or computer or, or actually do anything. And I feel really proud of myself because actually for a really long time, it was such a struggle. The guilt and the anxiety that I felt between the conflict of needing to work and feeling anxious that I needed to work, feeling like I was like detaching from it, leaving it behind that it needed me, but then also feeling so unbelievably guilty that my kids needed me too and I wasn't there for them you know, I've not been there. Like I remember Casey crying once, uh, had a call that I had to do and he was going down to the park with Kellen and he was crying his eyes out, mummy, no call, mummy, come with me. And he was so upset and it broke my heart that mm. he was that upset. It made me feel really bad because when you are an entrepreneur, it's you making the decision, not a boss telling you, you have to go to work right now, it's you. And so that's where the guilt came in because it was like, I feel like I'm choosing my business over my kids and that made me feel horrible. But then actually realizing like, well, who do I want to be for them? Like I am doing this so that we can live our best lives and so I can show them what is possible and what they can achieve for themselves. And so that really helped me, but also just help, you know, creating that time for myself of knowing Fridays and the weekends are really for, for kids' times. And also, instead of being stuck in the mindset of guilt and anxiety, getting into the mindset of gratitude, of being grateful that I'm in this such a privileged and fortunate position to be able to spend time with my kids in the morning, to have the flexibility. If one of them's ill, I can just hang out with them. If mm. I am having, you know, I could choose to um, move calls around and spend the morning with them all. Like I can do that. And I do do that. And so it was just like, oh, stop beating yourself up over, over it all. And just feel really grateful for the, the, the situation that you're in and what you do have. And it's definitely taken work to get to that point though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know that I work with lots of women and guilt is the predominant energy sucker the 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 drainer that a lot of the women that I have are working through would you say that 
guilt existed in your life before you had children in in any other areas or do you think that it's just massively exacerbated through that idea of being a mother and an entrepreneur and a business owner and a wife and a friend and a daughter and you know do you think it's exaggerated now that you're yeah 100 percent. because before I had kids I didn't feel guilty ever (laughs) (laughs) I just worked all the time people just knew that I worked all the time like Kellen knew I worked all the time my family knew I worked all the time I talked about work all the time like it was my it was my life like I would be working till like one two in the morning and um uh, and like, obviously now, especially with like being married and, and everything, um, you know, in the evenings I would work. Whereas now in the evenings that if I, if I, I do sometimes work, but like, if I did that every evening, then me and Kellen would never, ever hang out together. So I think it's also just realizing that like, it's taking that bigger picture of looking at life from all angles of like, I want to live a happy life happiness is so many different things and it's like it can't just be it's not just the business it's my relationships it's my family it's it's all of that stuff so it's like but I think it's where intention comes into it so many and I you know I always try and tell myself every year every day you know all the time what be intentional about what you want to make happen what you want to feel what you want to experience because you know, when we're not intentional, we either get stuck going down one route and we don't realize that on the other side of things, we're destroying a relationship. Um, you know, things get out of, you know, out of sync and, um, just not very tuned in with yourself and with what is actually making you feel good, feel happy. Um, so yeah, I think intention is Mm. everything. Mm. Yeah. Really good point. Um, I met your brother at the Christmas do. He was doing some of the camera work and you've obviously mentioned that your mum's with the the kids, with the boys today. And um, I just wonder in terms of your family, do you have an entrepreneurial example or are you like the standout person within your family? No, so my dad is like the inspiration. So he is the entrepreneur of the family. Um, And so I've been really fortunate because my whole life he was my cheerleader, has been my cheerleader. And when I was a kid, like uh, at school, I had difficulties and my junior school, they didn't, they basically kicked me out and I had to move to a different school. And then I failed the entrance exam to the school that my sister and two brothers went to. And so I was sent to a school that was on my own, like a girl's school, like that was further away. And I felt like I was stupid and I wasn't good enough. And my dad always encouraged me and told me you can like anything's possible. Um, he was into personal development, which was so unheard of in the UK at that time. Mm-hmm. So like, at, you know, 12 years old, he was sitting me down in front of the TV with this videotape of Jim Rohn, get me to watch Jim Rohn videos. I was like, dad, who is this old man? But he would like <laughs> go around the house doing impersonations of Jim Rohn <laughs> and doing his little statements. And even when I was about 10, he sent me and my brothers and sister on this course to learn more about the power of the mind. And we learn about how to protect our energy in a bell jar. We learn mm-hmm. about the F word, which was fantastic. We learned how to actually do visualizations. Um, we came home with this visualization on tape for us to listen to every night before, you know, falling to sleep. So um, for me, he, uh, he, he really has, if it wasn't for my dad, I don't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I feel so fortunate that I had him in my life cheering me on and, um, and, and I would then pass it on to like friends and be their cheerleaders. And at university, I found that like, I would 
be like sharing all this personal development stuff and people would be like really realizing, wow, this is so helpful. And I think that's a huge part of where the desire to even create the Female Entrepreneur Association came from. Um, because not everyone is lucky to have a dad like I have, but just because you don't have a dad like I had, it doesn't mean that you can't learn from someone. So I feel like I want to be that person that my dad's been to me for other people and help them to realize what's possible for them the way my dad helped me to realize what was possible for me. So I think I think if you, you know, to you have to use the privilege that you have effectively and yeah. 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 Amazing. And you've mentioned the education system. So before I set up the business, I was in education. I left education because I didn't feel that it was supporting our young people. In fact, were leaving a lot more anxious and um, not as holistically happy as when they'd come in. And I found that very, very wrong. Um, And I think as we have a responsibility to ensure that we are supporting our young people, like, you know, your boys, you're giving them a a role model or an example. Is there anything that you've seen in since you've been parenting that has been truly exceptional for supporting that kind of growth mindset in, in, in your boys? I don't know how old your eldest one is. Casey, he's two and a half. Two and a half. So do you think that there, that you are going to channel some of what you're, what your dad has shown you um, to make up for the shortfall in what's happening in education? Or do you think you're going to seek out education for your boys that is a bit more holistic? I mean, I definitely will be teaching them everything. So it's a boy and a girl. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, Research, Lucien, honestly. No, it's, um, I don't really talk. I don't really, I haven't been terrible on social media lately, so I've not really posted anything out. But um, um, so... I yeah a hundred percent like I already do with Casey breathing (laughs) breathing stuff with him I from when he was probably before he was two taught him how to take a deep breath in through his nose and breathe out through his mouth to help him like to relax and calm down um and he has like a book on mindfulness that I read to him and um like I mean parenting stuff like but I mean I I don't know like I just try and teach him things like um the things that makes, you know, make us like sharing makes us happy. And uh, it's really cute because then he goes around saying sharing and he's like, sharing makes us happy. And <laughs> it's really, it's just adorable. But as he, as he gets older and becomes more aware, being intentional about that is so important to me and to Kellen as well. And so we have like our, like a family playbook. I created it for us when we got married because I, you know, as a business owner, I spent so much time creating like workbooks and challenges to myself of like how I can have the best business and how I can make it so successful and amazing. And I was like, why do I spend so much time doing this for my business, but I'm not doing it for my personal life. So when we got married, I created our little family playbook and we went away to Italy for like a little baby movie before Casey was born and we filled it out and it's kind of like our values as a family and it's um like our goals and like what our vision is and um the things we want to teach and um the life that we want to have together and again it's like coming back to being intentional like how do we want to be intentional about about having the best relationship we can possibly have how are we going to be intentional about having the best family that we can possibly have so then like how does that come to life beyond the playbook so making sure that you know even simple things like we've got quotes all around the house of like you know to do with like happiness and things that matter and I think that the energy that you keep in your house the 
the vibe you know that you have inside those those walls it, it's so it's so powerful and to create that safe space and that nurturing space where um you know it's so important and I also learn a lot so I read books on like how to um you know how to be the kind of parent that you know can raise like independent children like how to trust your children so that you're not just like constantly saying you know no don't do this no don't do that and I mean obviously that happens a lot but (laughs) you know just being more intentional about the kind of parent I want to be and like for example recently like Casey's two so bloody hell it's annoying sometimes god he just really knows how to push my buttons Mm -hmm. and um there are like recently a few weeks ago I just had less patience than normal and I was really ratty and I there was a few times where I really snapped and I got really annoyed and I just thought I hate how this makes me feel I hate it when I snap at him and he's two two and a half years old and I sound like such a vile person I don't like how it makes me feel and so I was like I need to be more intentional about how I can handle this in myself and I so I meditated and I journaled and I and I got more intentional about coming back to a place of like patience and perspective again of like, you know, so that in that moment, I'm not going to lose my temper really quickly. I'm going to take a step back. And it just makes a world of difference. Like I feel so much more grounded in my ability to be a good mother. So all of that personal development, mindset work, inner work has helped me not only in business, it helps me as a mother, it helps me as a wife, and hopefully it'll help me with like parenting mm. Casey and Marley and helping them to live their best life, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah, so. amazing, amazing. And a little boy and a little girl, just how brilliant is that? Mm. You got you got one of each. I think that's just so lovely. Um so I'm gonna bring it back around to the entrepreneurial side of things, if that's okay. Yep. And um um in in your book you talk about when you set up your first business. Um on purpose, but also a little bit by accident. And you were learning it as you went along, you know, how to create the website and for the, it was phone unlocking, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you moved away from that and you did other bits in between and you've now got the Female Entrepreneurs Association. And they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. I'd love to know at what point did you feel, and we touched on this at the beginning, did you feel that what you've created is something successful? Have you ever felt that it's successful? Or is that drive to always be striving for more so much in play to not be able to acknowledge that success? So I, because I was reading my journal recently this week, I, um, I came across this one entry where I'd written how I felt like I'd really made it. And it was from 2014. I, my sister and her husband, they got, they were getting married in a a ceremony in Yosemite National Park in California. And um, just before the wedding, a few days before the wedding, we were there in Yosemite and my business was, um, was doing well. I I think I'd written in there how much money I'd earn. And I don't know, um, it probably was some, 2014 I don't know it was probably like I don't know maybe 15,000 at made that month I don't know exactly what it was um and I remember being on a bike cycling through Yosemite the business was making money uh, the business was growing 
and I was there enjoying myself. And I felt like riding that bike, like the biggest amount of like freedom and this feeling of like, I've done it. Like I've got this business that's generating money every month and it's growing. And it just felt like, it just felt like an incredible moment. Um, and, um, there have been moments though, where even though it's been growing and going really well, I've been so blinded by wanting it to be better. Um, and not even recognizing how bloody amazing things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I really try and be mindful about that because though, especially when Casey was born, I just went through a phase. I think it's partly from having like, a, you know, having a baby and like taking maternity leave, but I just felt like it was all falling apart and it wasn't. And like a few months after Casey was born, we had our best financial month ever. And at the time, I, and we went on a holiday, we were in the Maldives of all places. And we were on this amazing holiday. We'd had our best financial month ever. And I inside felt so torn up and I felt, I felt fearful. I felt, I felt like I've just felt off. And now looking back, I'm like, why didn't I just enjoy the fact that like, I'd I'd set this up for myself. I'd made it so amazing. And I, I, I was just beating myself up because of the, you know, all the anxiety and the guilt. And so, yeah, I definitely have to keep myself in check. Um, because I think there's always that desire for more, for more, for more, but you keep striving for more and you forget to live now and you forget to experience the amazingness of now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, yeah, coming back to that gratitude piece of what am I grateful for today? Because I think that's really where we find happiness Mm -hmm. um, and being grateful for what we actually have. So, um, so yeah, but, and then also other times I feel like I've made it, um, I mean, I suppose when it tipped over that million, you know, that million dollar, million pound mark um, was a pretty big moment. And that realization of bloody hell, <laughs> um, you know, even then and in my pay, we had this, we have a PayPal account and um, that kept going up and up and up. And that then when that tipped over and then we had a million in cash that in PayPal. And I was like, I mean, not that you should have a million in cash in PayPal, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> um, but um then I was like, bloody hell, this is nuts that from this little idea that I had, all these things have happened. I have made this money has come into my bank account. And like, that was the kind of stuff that I'd like, you know, taken screenshots of and like photoshopped zeros on to pretend that like I had that money in the account. So when mm-hmm. I actually physically saw it in my own two eyes, I was like, bloody hell, like this is real. Like I've done this. Um, so those moments have been yeah, a bit breathtaking, I suppose. Amazing. It's insane. It's amazing. And this is what I love about you is just your your very grounded nature in how in how you talk about your very real nature in how you talk about what you've achieved. And you know, the fact that you you've sat there and you've you've put zeros on the end and then it's it's almost a surprise when it happens and I wonder what else you think, other than the the tenacity and the working a lot, the long hours, what other factors do you think contribute to the fact that you, Carrie Green, you have been so successful? Because I'm sure there are many people out there who are striving to to make communities like the one that you've made, who are really struggling with it. Um, So what advice would you give to somebody who is perhaps not seeing the success um, and what do you think makes you the person that has achieved it? Um, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because like 
I, you know, I still obviously really remember what it felt like. I remember being sat on webinars back in 2009, watching people talking about all this stuff and online things. And I was like, oh, are they even telling the truth? Like, mm. you know, and it just all seemed a bit too good to be true, but I really wanted that to be me. So I know how it feels to be on the other side of that dream and mm. it just be a dream. Like I remember it took me three years to get out of my own way because of imposter syndrome and actually do something with my idea to create the Female Entrepreneur Association. Um, so I know what it feels like to be there. And I think for me, it's just once I actually committed and thought, right, I'm in, I'm doing this. It's just been a series of tiny, tiny steps and I, I, like I had this quote on my wall that said successful people hang on when everyone else has let go. And I just was determined to keep hanging on. And I think that, um, the, a huge part of it, one was showing up to be of service. I want to show up to be helpful. I want to show up to be value, to give value. I want to show up to serve other people. And when I came, uh, when I came at it from that perspective, it changed everything. Like when I would go to networking events, I'm not networking for myself in terms of like, what can I get? I'm networking from the perspective of what can I give? And it changes everything. People want to know you. People want to be around you. When you show up and you have that intention of being that person, people people start to become, you know, to, to come to you. They like, you're a magnet. And it's the same, like I remember my dad telling me that like every time he'd go to a hotel room, he would make sure that he'd leave it tidier than when he arrived because he wanted to make an impression. And like, he wants to be the person that, you know, um, leave something better than he finds it or to make someone's day. And hearing that made me think like, I can be that person. I can be that person that chooses to show up to a hotel and leave the, leave the place spotless. And like, it's not that people might think, well, what's the point? But it's who you're, who you're becoming, who you're training yourself to become. And it's the same, like when I go to a meeting or I meet somebody, I want to brighten their day. I want to be the person that they go home and say to their partner or whoever, oh my gosh, I met this person today. And it was so amazing talking to her. Like, and I want to, I just want to like brighten their life. Every single one of us has the ability to be that person, but most of us aren't intentional about it. Most of us also are going about things from what can I get? And this used to be me because before I started FEA, I did this little challenge for myself called Mission to Make a Million in 365 Days. And <laughs> I documented it through this blog and it was just me figuring out how could I make a million? And so I was like trying to do all these things and obviously it wasn't working. It felt like there was so much resistance. And it was just because it was all about how can I make the million? It wasn't, I was not looking at it from the perspective of like, how can I be of service? How can I give to receive? Like that was not my thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people like go into business, like buy from me, they'll go to networking events so that I can tell all of you why I'm so amazing. So you can become my customer. And we might not, it might not be that drastic. You might not be that, you know, like quite that bad, but so many people are without even realizing it. So I think when you have a desire or a dream to build a community or start a business and you switch into, I just want to be helpful. You can help five people, 10 people, 20 people. You know, you can go and help people go and do that. So go and do it. Mm -hmm. Stop overthinking. Well, how is this going to make me money? How is this going to just stop? Like if you just show up to help, the pathway begins to unfold and the opportunities arise and the people present themselves and just things evolve. And you just have to trust that when you are in your, like when you, you're standing in that place of like, from that place of service, it's so powerful. Um, and I think that has what has helped me to get to where I am. And, um, 
and really staying in my own lane with it. Like choosing to be kind and to be honest and to be real and to be myself um, uh, has has made a massive difference. Um, And yeah, taking tiny steps, tiny, tiny steps. Mm. Um, I think people so often get so hung up on how to do step 100 that they never get started on step one. And for me, it was, you know, if you go back and look at what FBA used to look like, it, just, it was me just messing around. And that's why I was saying at the beginning, I still feel like I'm just messing around. Because <laughs> if I ever stop messing around, that's going to be the point at which I don't grow. I'm not mm. going to do anything if I'm too afraid to mess around. So it's like, you've got to, yeah, give yourself permission to just mess around with this. Because mm. perfection is going to get you nowhere. Yeah. Like, perfection isn't going to make you any money. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you're so right so there's loads of things in that there's the small steps there's the giving rather than getting energy there's the honesty and the kindness and the truth to yourself so there's the being honest with others and the kindness to yourself and and what you were just saying then about you know it it doesn't need to be perfect if you're waiting for it to be perfect it it won't happen and that's really stilting as well isn't it would you say you're a creative person yeah I feel like well not creative I can't draw to save my life um, (laughs) (laughs) creative in the perspective of like I I feel like my zone of genius is like you know visioning like coming up with ideas and like looking at like how like how we can bring that to life like Mm. I like creating um so um yeah Mm. a visionary yeah Yeah. and and a mess mess around with stuff yeah (laughs) um okay so I want to ask you about this um you said that you were writing and that you were writing about that how to become a millionaire in 365 days and you've obviously written she means business which is a great book and other stuff as well and there's a great blog on your website I recommend it to anyone who's listening who's enjoying what what Carrie is saying um how do you find that writing process there might be a lot of women the whole premise of this podcast is to share women's voices and to hear more from women about real experience What's that process like putting your life, your words, your opinions onto paper? Because they're there forever. How do you how do you manage that? So like when I wrote my book, I really struggled from the perspective of like, oh my gosh, I'm writing a book. This is like something I can't delete. Um, it's um, and then I started to feel like I had to be something, like I had to be the expert. And I couldn't write the book because I was like, I'm not the business expert. I cannot help every single person. All I've got is my experiences and my knowledge, and that isn't everything. And um, then what I did was just gave myself permission to show up and share what was real for me. And when I st- and I've always found this when I create from from sharing my own examples and my own stories, it becomes like doable because I know what I can, I know I can share what I've done that's worked and that's helped. So I write from that perspective. I write from, um, uh, yeah, just showing up and sharing. And like what you said, it's, it's so important that people feel they can speak up 
and share what is in their heart to say, um, share what they're fired up about and what means something to them, that's going to make a difference. Um, and so for me, like in terms of the actual writing process or creation process in general, I personally find that looking at a blank document is a really hard place to get started. So I tend to um, speak things out. So for example, like doing interviews, I find when I'm doing an interview, I'll get into a zone of genius and sense of stuff will just be flowing through me. And I'm not consciously thinking. It's not like I'm like, hmm, let me think about that now. Mm-hmm. I'm not in my logical brain. I'm like talking from my heart. And I find when we create, it's best to create from the heart. So um, when I was doing my book, for example, I got people to interview me and then I got those interviews transcribed or I went back over like other interviews I'd previously done and transcribed stuff. Um, I also did interviews with other people and transcribed that and used those things for my book as well. Um, I also made voice notes on my phone, just talking. I would sit there and talk. There was one time I just sat and talked for like two hours and by the the end of it, my voice was crackling. Um, and I just then got it all transcribed and some of it was a bunch of crap, but like there was some really good bits. So doing that really helped me. And then also when I was writing my book, I, um, I would often feel really blocked. And so I used to do this thing where I'd be sat on the sofa and I would just imagine like a beam of light coming down from the universe. And I would just imagine like this idea of connecting with like the universe or my higher self and just asking, like saying, um, I can't remember exactly the words I would say, but something like, um, like, thank you for allowing the words to flow through me and onto the paper. Like, let me write whatever I need to write, whatever I can be of most service with, please. Like, just like, basically like allow me to be the channel for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would sit there and I just start writing and I would be like, some stuff would come out be like, where the hell has that come from? I don't even know what that is. And I just allowed stuff to like flow through and just to be the receiver of it and the channel for it rather than overthinking it and getting logical about it. And, um, that's literally how I wrote the book is just (laughs) from doing stuff like that. Um, I think whatever it takes to get out of your logical brain and to get into like your heart and soul. Mm. Um, and that's where your voice is. Your voice isn't in your head. You've always seen your heart and that's where we need to get, I think, when creating. Um, and, it, and it's often like, again, it's when we speak, we are, we are in the flow of what we're, what's our truth. So it's really trying to like uh, remove the layers and layers of lies and fears and doubts and worries that have like been put on us throughout our whole lives and get to what the our truth really is and allow that to flow through. So I honestly will just try about anything to try and like get to that place where I can like really get to the heart of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, visualizations, meditations, affirmations, you name it. Like I will do it to try and like feel really connected or like going in nature, walking in nature can be super powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, go for a walk in nature, take your phone, put your headphones in and just start speaking to yourself um really, you might feel like you're a bit weird at first but when you start doing it you're like stuff comes out and you're just yeah. like oh, I didn't know this was not me <laughs> yeah no I, I totally dig that and that's really good advice as well because I think some people would come at that that answer with a very practical I'm not saying that what you're saying isn't practical because I totally I that I can imagine myself doing exactly what you've just said to harness that heart power and that truth 
Um, but there's a lot of practical advice around writing a book. And I think what you've just shared is really important. Um, so we will be we will be finishing soon. There's just a, a couple more things that I wanted to to kind of put your way. One of those is you've obviously been a big inspiration to me. I have an, a number of female entrepreneurs who, um, or, or women that I put um, at a certain level and I, I aspire to, to show up in the way that they do. Uh, you are one of them. Um, Beyonce is another one. Yeah. Oprah is another one. Um, when we were talking about dreams, my dream, you know, that big life goal is sitting on a tropical island with Beyonce and Oprah drinking, and you can come too, <laughs> Carrie, drinking a nice mojito. Um, I want to know, I want to know who inspires you. You've spoken about your dad and you've spoken about that, that, but who in terms of the professional world do you look to and you go, do you know what? That's really inspiring. I want to channel some of that energy or is it all in you already? Oh, I just don't really know with this. I mean, when I ever, I've been asked this in the past, I don't really know because like my dad has been my biggest, one of my biggest inspirations. And like, there are people like Les Brown, Jim Rohn, um, Lisa Nichols, um, people like that who I, have listened to their YouTube videos and I found them really inspiring. So like, I like to tap in like um, Esther and Jerry Hicks with like Abraham and that's a bit more spiritual, but like, I like listening to those kinds of videos online. Um, I tend not to, not in a bad way. I don't really follow anyone specifically online where I'm like really following them because I want to stay true to myself. And sometimes what I find is when I'm listening so much to someone else Mm -hmm. that sometimes it then makes me feel really inadequate. Like, oh gosh, they have a different opinion than me. Does that make my opinion wrong? And I really do struggle with that, especially like on Instagram. Sometimes I see a lot of people with very polarizing content Mm -hmm. that makes me think, oh, like it just doesn't make me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not, so... Um, and also I think sometimes, sometimes it can feel like you're not really sure maybe where one person's idea started and, you know, or you, you know, do you know what it gets blurry? Um, uh, so I just feel like I like, I like watching little snippets of things from like people like Lisa Nichols or like Mm -hmm. I said, all those people that are very inspirational or motivational. When it comes to like specifically learning stuff, there will be people that I would seek out to learn a specific thing, like, um, you know, with help with like my membership or whatever, then I'd go and seek out mentorship and like specific guidance. Or let's say I was looking to grow a YouTube following, I'd go and like go and follow somebody and like learn specific strategies from that. But in terms of like following like someone, I don't know, there's lots of inspirational people. No, I I really like that answer, uh, Carrie, because I'll tell you why. I, I think that we put people on a pedestal yeah. And and to lessen yourself by putting somebody else on a pedestal isn't healthy. Yeah. Um, but if we are acknowledging or 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 seeing the strength of someone else and really shining the light on that person, then that's something else, isn't it? But if we are diminishing ourselves because we're looking up to a person, that's I just think you've got so much strength 
Carrie. I, I think that the the strength in you is just really obvious to anybody listening that that self drive and uh, absolute massive props to your dad because it sounds like he's phenomenal. He is great. He, I, I did an interview. I interviewed him, and because um, all my audience kept saying, "Will you interview your dad?" and like, so I did last year. I did an interview with him, and they just loved it. And I people bet. like old people from school and came out of the woodwork to like watch this video and were like, "Oh, well, like your dad has like had remember him helping me so much," and um, it was really nice to do it. And to, I mean, I was nervous about what he was going to say. Like, was he going to say something inappropriate? But thankfully, he didn't. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was really nice to do that because he has really helped me. And yeah, people loved it. it was brilliant, great. Uh, brilliant. And I can't let you go, Carrie, without um, saying to you: TV mainstream, a bit of a future future aspiration, a little bit out of focus at the moment. By when would you like to have this? in focus I don't know because I right for me when I set these crazy big goals it's like I imagine them um spinning around me like they're just in my energy field and then that's almost like the solar system of me <laughs> and like they're just there spinning orbiting me and I feel them and sometimes I feel them getting closer and I can feel the energy like coming in it's like when I was writing my when I knew my book like that was a goal I had for so many years and it just was in orbit around me and then I started to feel it and it got louder and it got louder and it was harder to ignore and then I started with the process and then it was like oh this is really hard mm-hmm. and it was just but it was there and it wouldn't leave me alone I was like I have to do this and um and it, so it's kind of like that so I haven't really got to that point with this yet and um I don't know um I, d- I don't know when it will be it's a but, bit like um, Pluto at the moment bit, <laughs> I don't know if it's that, I don't know how I don't know whether it's that far but it's um yeah it's um I definitely won't be this year and I would be surprised if it was anything next year but um but yeah, who knows? I who like who knows? But oh, it's I been there for a really long time, yeah. hovering. And and I have found that for a lot of the things that I've ever wanted to do, like the plan of the book, whatever the membership, they have hovered in orbit for quite some time mm-hmm. before I felt like they've just finally found the right it's the right time for them to come through. Um so I don't know, it's kind of like tuning into I'll know it won't it'll start pestering me and I'll know Mm -hmm. it's time now (laughs) brilliant um I would like to say a massive thank you Carrie for being for being here and for being a woman who is true to her word in that you say that you want to support people on their journey up and that's exactly what you're doing with so many people and I just want to thank you from the bottom top left right of my heart for for being here today thank you so much how can my listeners um support you they can they can clearly come and check you out is there anything that that you've got going on at the moment you've got the blog on the website obviously I think honestly the best place to start really would be the book because on Amazon it's so easy to get on Kindle on Audible paperback and it's just a really good um step into like this you know this world and to my to my journey and how I can help so yeah that's a good place thank you so much for being with us Carrie oh thank you how brilliant was that what an incredible what an incredible inspiration Carrie Green is please do pick up her book um, which 
is something, as I said at the beginning of the episode, um, that really supported me on my entrepreneurial journey. Have a look at what's going on in the Female Entrepreneurs Association and check out her blogs. Um, She has this incredible grounded way of being and I I find it so inspiring and I want to thank her from the bottom of my heart for being part of That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us on another episode of That's What She Said. This is a phenomenal collective of female voices from around the world, and I'm sharing that to empower women to share our stories so that you know that you are not alone. I'm a woman who's gone through it all. Honestly, there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard before, either with my clients or through my own life journey. And we need to stop hiding behind a veneer of perfection. These stories are important and we need to share them loudly and proudly. And that's what we're doing on this series of That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us. I have been your host, Lucienne Shakir, and it has been an absolute pleasure to spend my time with these phenomenal women. Oh,